Hi, this is Tamika Jacques from Fruitful Vision Enterprises. I am the CEO, and also I am the author of A Brown Girl's Guide to Employment and Networking. What does Fruitful Vision Enterprises do? Well, we help others achieve their life goals. I'm also a career coach as well. So someone comes to me and they say, listen, I'm ready for my next promotion. We help people achieve their career goals, no matter what their level is. Hello, Miss Tamika. <laughs> so Tamika and I have known each other for years because we did our undergrads together. We did. Way back, way back when. And so, and I just like watched the evolution of you for so many years, but no one else that's listening to you has. So we're going to start there. Where did Tamika come from? So let's just start at the beginning of, tell us who you are. Well, where did I come from? My gosh. So I grew up in Massachusetts, if you want to go back a little further. Um, grew up in Massachusetts. As Jody said, I went to Suffolk University as undergrad. Oh, my mass- no, 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 no. Are you kidding me? Did you just jump from I grew up to I went to college? Are you kidding? What? How do people just do that? Did I tell you that I hate you? I hate you so much. Okay, Uh, so let's just start. Let's just rewind. And let's just give us a little bit more history and more context of who you are. Tell us the story. We need to understand the story before we get to know the school and the education because there's so much to you. So what do you, but what though? Like, (laughs) tell me about who you are. Okay. Lord, have mercy. God help me with this child in front of me. All right. (laughs) So as Jody mentioned, um, yes, we met an undergraduate. But before that, I grew up in Massachusetts in a small suburb located on the South Shore. Um, You know, an interesting fact about me is that I grew up in a town and I went to a high school that had um, a population of 1% of people, you know, that looked like me. And I feel like that has shaped me to who I am. Um, You know, it helped me want to go to, when I graduated from high school, helped me want to go to a diverse college, which is where I met Jody. Um, And also I wanted to be in the city because I had, you know, I grew up in a small town. I grew up in the suburbs. And so from that point, I feel like my undergraduate career really exposed me to diversity and meeting others and just engaging with others who do not think like you. Um, And so from there, I moved to New York for a little bit, actually, where I was because I just love the city so much. And um, then I came back to Massachusetts after about four or five years living in New York and um, have always just, you know, my background, I feel like has always shaped me. And so, you know, when someone says, well, like, well, what do you do? What does your business do? I feel like that I am, um, I love to encourage people and also to put people on the right career track. And but the thing is, I mean, so I, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to push back over a little bit because to understand what the company is, I go, we have to understand who you are. So when you were saying how you were you grew up in a town that didn't have that much diversity, um, but I mean, I mean, did, was it something that your parents instilled in you? Is it something that you were like really just it bothered you when you were younger? In I mean, all right, I'm gonna share a story. You ready? Here we go. Okay, I'm ready. Go for it. <laughs> so you can edit this in however way your editor is going to. We don't edit. This. We don't edit. 
Oh my God. We don't Here edit. We go. <laughs> Here we go. So, okay. So let me just, I'll take you back into high school. And because, you know, a lot of people have asked where, why am I at this point where I'm at? Right. And I'm just going to throw out the title of my book for a second. So it's called a Brown Girl's Guide to Employment and Networking. Why am I concentrating, you know, the title on that? Why am I concentrating on workforce, which is I'm going to tell you why. Um, I told you I grew up in a small town. And when I was talking about the 1% that looked like me, so the other 99% did not look like me. And so what that meant was that I would be riding home on a school bus and I would talk and I would hear people on the school bus saying, what are we going to do for Martin Luther King Day? Are we going to throw rocks at um, black cars or are we going to throw rocks at black people? And so for me, I think I knew at that moment that I did not want to, um, I wanted a diverse uh bunch of people around me. I wanted a diverse network because I did not want to be just like anyone else. You don't want to be judged. But in my case, it was being judged on my skin color because of where I lived. There was really um, out of a high school of 1200 people, there was only 12 other uh, people that looked like me in my high school. So I think that really shaped to who I am today, that I just wanted to have a diverse network. And I wanted to encourage others. I think as I get older, people that have gone through um, different challenges in their life, because it's not always about race, it could be about gender. But in my case, I think that um, growing up in a small town where people did not look like me really shaped my life and what I wanted to do. So when you were when you had that situation, I mean, was it I mean, were you able to talk to your parents about that? And I go and what did what was how did you grow up? Um, and how did they prepare you for now you're in the small town, but you are seeking out larger areas, like larger schools, larger communities. How did your parents prepare you for all of that? Or did they just like say, you know, you fend for yourself? My, so my parents, since I was young, I think they've always prepared me that you will be judged by your skin color, um, but that does not define who you are, right? So you're going to have, you're going to have to go through life um, with people judging you based on your skin color be, because of where we lived. I mean, I joke around uh, with people and when people say like, why do you, why do you hustle so hard? Or why are you motivated so hard? Because if you look at it, I am like one generation away from poverty, right? So my, my parents grew up in poverty, but they decided that they were going to make a way out. And so their way out was moving out of Boston, moving into the suburbs, hustling hard. My dad was an electrician. My mom went to school to be an accountant. And so you know, they decided to make that career path and take me out um, to make sure that I wasn't in what they had grew up in, right? And so they prepared me that there's some people that's not going to like you because of the street you live on. We lived in a we lived on a street where we had the biggest house, right? Um, there's uh, people that are not going to like you just because you live in a big house. They're not going to like you because of your skin color. But you need to um, not be bothered by what they say and keep getting your education. <laughs> My parents always said education, 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 because that's going to be your pathway to success. And so, um, no, they didn't leave me just to fight for myself. Um, but there were times where, yes, you felt like you're alone because what are you going to do on the school bus? Stand up with the other 40 kids and say, who are you talking about? You know, throwing blacks, you know, throwing rocks to. Nope. 
I wasn't going to stand up and get beat up on that day. <laughs> so you sit there and you think about it and you reflect on it and you turn that reflection into positive um, to help others, right? And to share your story with others and to let others know that no matter what the challenges are, you know, what people are saying or how they're judging you, you can still make it no matter what. So now you like, you're, you're, you, you have this like um, nice cushion. I, I, I use cushion in a way that people don't use cushion, but you have a nice cushion that your parents have like, like uh, protected you. They have educated you. They've given you a nice cushion of like, okay, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to, I can deflect. I can deflect. I have a cushion around me. Um, you're still in a small town. You decide to go into the city. Um, so you're leaving the small town in Massachusetts, going to a bigger city from Boston to New York. So walk me through why Boston and then to New York. And New York is like, I mean, New York is a behemoth to deal with on, on so many different levels. So walk me through like how and why did you do that? Sure. Okay, so everyone in my town, I'm not gonna name the town, but everyone in my town went to the university in my town, right? And bragged about it. Oh, I'm gonna go to this university and I'm gonna live there. And my, my question was, why would you want, and again, no offense to anyone that wants to do this, but why do you wanna live in the same town um, that's like five minutes down the street from your house and go stay in a residence hall. But it was because, again, they wanted to be around people that looked like them, right? I wanted to be around people that looked like me, not all the people that look like me. I just wanted a more diverse network. So the reason why I went to Boston, to college in Boston, was because I saw opportunity. I saw when I went for the, you know, for orientation, I saw others that looked like me. I saw others that were in job positions that looked like me. Because you have to remember, again, from my small town high school, I never had a teacher that looked like me, right? So you go to the big city and it's like, wow, there's people that look like me and they don't have the same ideas as me and, and they think different. And so when you, when you see that, you know, people say like, how could you live in New York? Well, I mean, it's a melting pot. You want to get immersed as much as you can. And when I left Boston, it was because of opportunity, right? So I was able to lead, I worked at um, a college in New York in Queens, and I was able to lead, you know, a department at 24 years of, of age. And for me, it was just more, I went to the big city because I always saw as opportunity. And, you know, in small towns, a lot of time they think small, right? And in and, and cities, they think big. And so I had this great opportunity when I left Boston to go lead my own department in New York. And not only that, it was like, you know, it was amazing because my boss was, you know, the same skin color as me, you know, and, um, so more, I feel like it was just, you move towards where the opportunity is. And I didn't see opportunity, uh, you know, living in Massachusetts. I didn't see that opportunity for me. It's funny because um, I swear, I, I totally forgot this, where when you said New York, you lived in New York and I'm thinking in my mind, Manhattan, and I'm like, and I, I remember coming to your apartment in Monzi, New York. And when you say, when most people will think, oh, I want to be surrounded by diversity, people just automatically think black, white. Um, right. When, but you went into Monzi where it is like, it's, a, it's a Hasidic Jews. Yes. 
and or if you're in Israel traditional I mean so yep. different names for different for different um Israeli groups but it was it's a, you're literally a brown person <laughs> Massachusetts in a predominantly Hasidic Jewish community like no, but Hasidic Jew where they're oh I remember we were in your apartment I'm like what's that they're like oh it's their helicopter someone's sick they bring in their own helicopter for the same community so how was that I mean game changer where small town Massachusetts going into the city going to college now you're working in Queens but you're living in a specific community where you could have lived anywhere why did you choose that community what did you learn from that community um with everything that you've been through but what did you learn living in that specific one when it comes to diversity sure so first of all I lived there because I could not afford to first of all I worked at a college right and I wasn't a millionaire working at a college so um, I love New York City and I love Queens, but, you know, being single and you don't want roommates, it, it just wasn't affordable for me at that time at the pay I was receiving. Right. So I chose Muncie because it was affordable. Um, at that time, it was seven hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom. And it was big, too. It wasn't like, you know, a small little studio. It was big, had a little kitchen, you know, the living room, the bathroom. Um, so I chose that neighborhood because it was affordable. And not only that, but again, like, you know, how big do you think, right? So, you know, it was great for me to be in that culture and to go in the grocery store and to eat, you know, Jewish food or Israeli food. I mean, for me, it was, that's what I wanted in my life, you know? So I knew my neighbors upstairs. I knew um, because it was a Jewish community, I knew my neighbors across the hall. And let me tell you, they looked out for me like, they would be like, you came home late last night. Is everything okay? Um, do you need anything? And so for me, it was, like you said, it's not just a black and white. It wasn't just a black and white issue. It was living in this community that on Friday nights, no one drove. They walked, right? They walked until the next day um, to celebrate their tradition, their culture, you know, every Friday. And so you were in this community that, um, you know, the woman wore wigs because, you know, they believe in shaving off their head. Um, they had whew, a lot of children. <laughs> they believe in multiplying. And so, you know, you were able to just see that culture, be immersed in, you know, I don't say this lightly, but they weren't, they weren't scared of me because of my skin color. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, um, being up there, it was everything to me. It was everything. And even when I moved to New York, I knew like two people, honestly. But when I left, I, I made amazing friendships. And, um, you know, just I, I celebrate that piece that I had enough, um, being an only child, that I had enough courage to leave my parents, leave Massachusetts, and just not, and just go try something new. You know, I, I mean, I, I again, I remember that time I commend you because I mean, I had I mean, I have a lot of my American based relatives that are in in, in the States are in New York. Um, yeah. And I love that you were there. I mean, it was like a, it was a great way to visit my friends my yeah. friends, and yeah. visit you at the same time. And but I also commended you because that is a big change. I mean, being an only child coming from a small town, being in the city, um, knowing everything that was so familiar to you and not just going to New York, but going into a very, very traditional community. I mean, I think that was like, I mean, what a, what a life changing thing because most people don't like change. They yeah. change and they like security. You said it about your, 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 your classmates that were, I went to the, the, the college in my town because it was familiar. And you're like, I'm gonna go way outside of that. Like, I wanna be outside of that box. So 
Before you went to Monzi, you went to college. What were your what were your majors, and why did you select them? Undergraduate was uh, international economics, and um, you know, don't ask me why I chose that major, but I did. You know, that's another podcast yeah, I story. Like that, that major helped you in Monzi. I mean, because I feel like I go that you it, it kind of like brought the worlds together. Yeah, but I never really touched economics. I really never had a passion for it, right? And that's something you learn as you go through life. It's international economics. You learn about it, but it really wasn't my passion. And what happened was, you know, from meeting Jody, being in, involved in um, student organizations, yep. I really say that's how I found my passion, right? So just being on the programming board with Jody, being in Black Student Union being a cheerleader, you know, being just really immersing everything that I felt I couldn't do in high school mm -hmm. and doing that in college. And so, you know, I'm in this degree that it wasn't my passion, but my passion was really like programming, helping others, planning events. And I knew I loved higher education. So I went to get my master's in college student development and counseling, mm -hmm. leaving the economics behind because it really wasn't my passion. And then part of my master's degree, I had a fellowship um, at the university and I was able to advise fraternities, sororities, manage a lot of events for them. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I guess, where I found my passion, knowing that it would be in higher education um, and knowing, learning about that. And that's really what got me to New York was I was director of student support services, um, working with first generation, low income and disabled students. So. You know, I feel like even though I didn't major necessarily in my passion in undergraduate, my passion just came out because of the things that I was involved in. And that's what kind of solidified how my future, you know, would keep going. My career path would keep going. All right. So then what happens next? So you are, you decide, like, so how many years were you in New York? And when was that, what was that moment that you're like, okay, it's time to come back or what, what yeah. brought you back? Yeah. So it was uh, four and a half years almost going into five and then 9-11 hit. And I think, um, you know, something just, you see the towers coming down because I worked at a, a, a aeronautical college and we were tapped into the, um, the, the Queens airport, which is LaGuardia airport. So we could hear everything that was going on. We had our own tower because we could look from our tower and watch the planes take off. And so, because we had our own tower, you could also see the, um, the World Trade Center um, coming down. And so just seeing the look on people's faces, not being able to get home that day because the highways were closed down, it just really, it was just, you know what, you really need to move back and be with your family, right? I mean, you're having a great time and it's close. It's only three hours away from where I was, but you know, life, happens and, and you have to pivot a little bit. And um, being honest, I had applied to go for my uh, doctorate degree in New York. And there was two colleges that I wanted, they didn't want me. <laughs> so I said, you know what, 9-11 hit, it's time to go back home. And maybe I will start applying to uh, universities in the, Mass in the New England area. So that's what really brought me back here. And I have to say it wasn't an easy move because um, I was leading a department when I moved to New York, I was 24, I'm leading a department, I'm managing a department. And again, you come back to Massachusetts 
who sometimes can think small and I could not get the same job that I was doing in New York because of just small minds and, and verified through my network. I would ask people, you know, you know, this person that interviewed me and they would say, well, you know, they keep saying you're very young. Okay. But my experience is I can manage, I can budget, you know, all the skills that were needed. So um, it was not easy to come back to Massachusetts. Let me say that. And so how did you get, I mean, so what, what happened next? I mean, so you, you finally got back here. Um, you're now like you were applying for your doctorate. Um, which school did you end up going to? Yes. So I come back here. I can't find a job. <laughs> I uh, work. I, I could, let me just say this. I could not find a job in higher education. So I had a master's degree in college student development and counseling. It wasn't so much I could not find a job. I couldn't find a job on the level that I had in New York. And I refused to accept, you know, I was a director of student support services and, you know, people would say, well, just take a program manager job or assistant director job. And it was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I, I have my education. I've proved myself. And so what happens is I couldn't find the correct position in higher education. So I went to work for um, Congressman Stephen Lynch, who was in Massachusetts. And I went to work for him for about four years. And during that time, I also applied at Johnson and Wales University for a doctorate degree in educational leadership because I really I have a passion for education, you know, training programs. That that's just something that I have a passion for. And Johnson and Wales accepted me. <laughs> and um, you know, I worked for Congressman Lynch for four years. And while I was working for him, I started teaching. Um, adult basic education, English as a second other language courses at Bristol Community College. And from that point, um, Deval Patrick had gotten as governor of Massachusetts and he um, hired, he appointed Secretary Suzanne Bump to be the Director of Labor and Workforce Development in Massachusetts. And I ended up interviewing for her because she was looking for someone that could do some policy work around adult basic education, English as a second other language. So I end up going from Congressman Lynch to working for the Secretary of Labor and Workforce Development. Uh, I was the executive director of the Massachusetts Workforce Investment Board under her. And that opportunity opened my eyes to policy as well as training programs Again, in my passion, you know, adult basic education, education in general. And so that's kind of how, you know, that career path moved at that, at that time. So I, I mean, I love this tra trajectory of, I mean, you didn't, you could have just taken that, that the job, the lower, mm -hmm. um, not that it's not a good job, but you could have, you, you, it would have been uh, a demotion from what you've worked so hard for. Um, yes. I love that you also kind of pivoted and you went into politics. How was it for you to be in politics? Because, I mean, I always, I mean, I, I, mean, I worked for Governor Romney and I always tell people like, no poli-sci class will ever prepare you for being inside of government. Yeah. Mm -mm. And, and, and you came from a world where politics was not even part of what you were gonna be doing. Um, so talk to me about your time being there. What did you get out of that? What did you see? How was, everything that you've learned in the past, like uh, help you form what the position and how you were um, rolling with it. But also what did your family think? Because they had watched you evolve. And so what did they think when you ended up in politics after everything that you, that you had accomplished, including your education? 
Sure. So let me just let me give you a little disclaimer. My dad is a business agent. He's an electrician, but he rose up to be a business agent. And if anyone has been in a union, you have to hold signs for politicians, whether you like it or not. Right. <laughs> it's, it's part of the initiation process or the process of being part of a union. So I got to be honest with you. I've been holding signs probably since I was seven years old for uh, people in my town that were running for positions. And so politics wasn't necessarily new to me, but when I went to work for Congressman Lynch, it was more than just holding a sign, right? So honestly, my family was elated. They were like, this is great. Um, you know, this is, this is what we've been preparing you for, holding signs and making phone calls, all those things. So they were elated that I started working for the Congressman. What I learned from the Congressman is yes, there's no class that's gonna prepare you to um, work during the day in the office and then be out with the congressman at night. There's no, there's no class that's gonna prepare you to memorize everybody's name, who that congressman needs to meet, yep. Who's in the room and how you walk around with that politician and introduce them to people and have to know when you introduce them to people what the issues are before they even get to the congressman to brief them on things and also remember anniversaries, birthdays, and everything else regarding, um, you know, whoever they're talking to, right? I'm sure Joey knows. I, I'm having a full-on flashback in my mind. Okay, right. <laughs> when you're when we were the governor, like, literally whispering, I'm like, coming your way. And literally, it was, like, the craziest thing. And I think that, for me, when I was a waitress, and we weren't, the restaurants that I worked at, I wasn't allowed to have a pad. We had to remember every single order, no matter how big or small the table was. That prepared me for that moment. Yes. It was literally like, they have so much going on in their heads and you are, as their representative, the go-to. And it was, I mean, you just like, it was like a full on flashback in my head when you just went down that list of what you have to know when you're sitting next to a representative. Yes. And so, <laughs> I mean, like I like. Anyways, like Jody said, I think she says it perfectly. No class is going to prepare you for all that, right? I mean, you're just on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It, it yeah. is, it, it's the job. It comes with the job. However, working for Congressman Lynch was amazing. It was great. But I've always had greater career you know, ambitions, right? So you go to a job and you just say, you know, I know I, 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 know I have more to give. You know, the job was great. I met so many great people. I did constituent services. So if someone had a, an issue, immigration, I mean, I, I did all that, you know, helping people get their family members here, working with immigration, social security problems. I, you know, I did that and I, and I enjoyed it. But also when Secretary Bump, you know, when I interviewed with her, you know, my passion for education and adult basic education that was also a passion for me as well. And to be able to work on some workforce policy to really transform, not just be in it, right? But to work on policy that goes across the state, that was amazing. And to create, implement new policies. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just, it, it goes beyond that small town thinking. It, it's just for our whole state and it's more people lives that are affected and, and more people are being touched. And you want to create economic, you know, stability. And that was just a way for me to really step up my game and, and really show what, you know, what I could do working with various stakeholders and just, you know, 
changing lives. It's, it's about changing lives, right? So um, that's how I got to Secretary Bump from the Congressman Lynch to Secretary Bump. And, you know, it's, it's a pointed position. So it's a little political, a little bit. <laughs> and I had had that experience. So that helped, you know, a lot that helped me a lot in, in that position. I have to say that um, I worked for an organization that was inside Boston and in every thought and concept was inside Boston. And I'm like, you know what? There's an amazing state that we have. Um, and not only does an amazing state, there's New England and the yeah. country. And, and when you're with the right representative, and I don't care what state you're in, the right representative can actually have that relationship with, with the players in all different states. And those other players adopt what you've done. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just sure. have a person that's willing to work together across the lines to make sure that everyone, they see, they see the, the power of what you've developed. And then they were like, okay, you know what? We need this in our States. Can you teach us? Yes. Us? And so I think that's, a, a, it's amazing where you even said where you were so transfixed in regards of taking care of the state, not just, just, just not just one small area, thinking small, you stay small, think bigger. Um, True. When you decided, so now you decided to create a way of educating people to succeed in the workplace. Um, where did that idea come from? How did it, where did it come from? Why did you do it and why now? Because you could have done this all along. Um, clearly we're hearing the path of like what your life has been, but why did this happen right now? Or I mean, yeah. started it, I should say. Yeah, so um, the, the right now part is because I feel like I've had a very, you know, successful career right? Like I've had amazing mentors. I've had amazing colleagues, um, you know, and for me, it was working for somebody else. And, you know, I, you know, I, I work for an organization and, you know, you get these great reviews every year, but however, um, and I, I'm delicate with this because I, you know, I, these, they're still my colleagues sometimes, you know what I mean? So, um, very delicately, you know, I felt like I was, you know, moving in my career in the right direction. And when you start to apply for promotions and job advancement, and you know, you're doing good, you have these great reviews, um, but you're being told, nope, nope, you know, this, you're not going to get that promotion or you're not going to, you know, get that next step. And I think for me, it just was, you know what, Tamika, how is there someone else going through what you're going through, right? You have all these successful experiences and you know you're doing a great job. Not that I'm, you know, not, not to to tooting my own horn, but you know you're doing a great job. You see all these, you know, rave performance reviews, but yet you're not being promoted and not meeting your career ambition of where you want to go, right? And so for me, why now it was because I know there's someone else out there that is frustrated that was in their employment place. They've been doing an amazing job. They're going for promotions. They're being denied. 
And I wanted to share with them some of my experiences, but I also wanted to share with them how to get that next job, how to get that next promotion. And so a lot of it is, we know is through networking, networking, network. You cannot network enough in your life. And I feel like the people that I've met along the way and the reason why I have you know, was able to work for Congressman Lynch, able to work for Secretary Bump at that time, who's now state auditor, is because of the networking that um, my, my parents had done, I had done. And so I think that I just wanted to teach others how to set up their network correctly so that when you get denied something, you pivot. I know this is one of your words, Jody. You pivot, you make the most of it, and you write a book and then you start a business, you know? So I think that there was other people out there that's just like me and I needed to share my story, give them the encouragement and uh, help them on their way. What is the feedback that you've gotten so far? Because I mean, so you started this company, um, you, you were in, I mean, you just said that your parents were elated, but now you're like, I started a company and I'm going to be advising individuals on how to grow I go, then I put out a book that's doing very well. So what was that moment um, in regards of your circle, um, family, friends, what did they think about, what are you doing? You've worked really hard and you're in a great place. Like what, 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 what? Yeah. So let, let me say this, that um, I move in silence, right? So to be honest with you, the only person, there was probably like three people in my immediate circle that knew I was writing a book. I think they knew I was frustrated. You know, the main person was my husband because I'd be up late writing because I worked during the day. I'd be up late writing on my laptop in the bed. Um, and so he'd be like, turn off the light. No, I can't, I gotta get this thought out. And so, you know, it was very, um, excuse me. It was very, uh, I didn't let anyone know to be honest with you. And I think because I don't wanna use the word embarrassed but I was shy because I'm, I didn't feel like I was a writer, right? And I think that, you know, a lot of times, again, I didn't think I was a writer because of what others had said, but how easy is it to, to get someone to edit your, your words, right? And so I kept it quiet because I had never talked about writing. I had never talked about putting out a book. And, you know, I'm thinking, what are people gonna say? Like, who's gonna buy this? Who's gonna, you know, who's gonna wanna hear about it? And so honestly, a lot of people did not know I was writing a book until I got on social media and said, hey, guys, I have a book on Amazon. Go check it out. <laughs> and people were like, what? Like, where did this come from? So I didn't really give a lot of people notice. Um, and honestly, I didn't know who was going to buy it. I didn't expect any like promotion really from it. I just wanted to really share my story to help somebody else. And so I'm really surprised that you know, it, it did good in a way um, because, you know, I, and I get surprises all the time. You know, you know that I, the book made Forbes, you know, 10 best books for networking. Yeah. And I, I'm truly surprised. Like I am, I'm ultimately, Why I am we, always. We are not surprised. We oh, okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> I am, I'm truly in shock because I don't look at myself as Someone said, oh, you're an author, you know, a few months after the book came out. And I was like, who's an author? Who are you talking about? You know, because <laughs> that wasn't my mission. That wasn't my goal. You know, someone says, what do you want to do? What's your dream job? Honestly, I'm doing my dream job because I'm a career coach now. I'm a motivational visionary. I'm a motivational, you know, coach, speaker. And so for me, that book just really propelled me to know that I was living in my purpose, 
right? And that I didn't have to be validated. You don't want to give me a promotion? That's fine. I didn't have to be validated in, in what others thought about me. And really, you know, when you look in the mirror, I'm the I'm my biggest competitor, you know, at this point, like, there's no one else that I feel like, you know, I'm competing against, because it's what I do, what I set my challenges to. And that, that took a long time to really for me to realize that because when you're getting denied promotions, and, you know, different raises, yeah, it, it, it's like a punch in the stomach, but you have to choose to rise up and pivot and and, and make, you know, your life for yourself. So um, I'm going to bring it to this um, throughout my entire life. So, I mean, I'm, I am the person where I am a marketing strategist. I've been a marketing strategist in my entire life. I didn't have the title. I didn't know it was a title until I was like, old, like far along in my career, but I've been doing it since I was like younger. I'll yes. making sure that the family, the brand, my friend brands, I mean, I'm bringing people together, anything underneath the world of marketing I've been doing. It's just part of who I am yes. um, with the world we're dealing with two pandemics yes pandemics right now um and you are dealing we are dealing with individuals that are um hi i'm working at this company everyone thinks it's fine i'm doing really great i work late at home at work but i'm working late at in the office because i don't have the wi-fi i don't have the the resources in my home no one knows what's going on but now they're seeing my world i'm dealing we're dealing with black lives matters we're dealing with I'm sorry, even before Black Lives Matters, we're dealing with when the pandemic, the Asian community being attacked. Like, I mean, yes. I'm in my home and now I've born and raised second generation, third generation living in America and I'm being chased down my street by people saying you brought in um, Corona. We have Black Lives Matters where there's a, a nice menagerie of individuals now fighting for Black Lives Matters, but we are still having a major situation where people are being harmed every single day. And in the office space, People aren't getting those promotions. Yeah. Great careers. God did everything right. God, everyone loves you. Still not getting that job over and over again. So pandemics. We have pandemics going on right now. What is this time doing for you with what you're doing? So, I mean, what you're doing, what you're promoting, even before the pandemic happened, this is what has been evolving. Your life has been changing. It. Your life has been, you've been cultivating this amazing path. You're doing very well. And you're doing very well because I'm assuming because the pandemics, what has this pandemics, what happened what at the beginning when it first started in March to now, what has it done for you? Um, how do you see it evolving? Do you see this as a short-term change or a long-term change of the movements that are happening? And I can, I keep putting the S's on it because people just keep saying it's one. I'm like, we have a lot of things. Sure. So it's a very loaded question, what I just asked you, but there's like a lot, there's a lot going on that all fit into your world right now. So yeah, what it was for you at the beginning when it first started and how it's evolving and where is it going? So I think for me, um, and I like the way that you said it's pandemics, right? Because it's not just one. So I think this is a long term, we're, we're in a long term situation. And for me, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I think I was like everybody else, like in shock. What? I'm not going to work. My child is not going to school anymore, right? And so you're in shock. Then, you know, George Floyd happens, right? And the whole world is like, what? What's going on? But let me tell you, this wasn't new to someone like me. <laughs> it's new to a lot of people because now their eyes are open, but it wasn't new. But I think with the George Floyd, as it transformed um, 
the world, it gave me motivation to know that my title, A Brown Girl's Guide to Employment and Networking, was on point, right? Because we there was so many brown people out there that had been ignored right and the reason why i didn't say a black girl's you know guide to employment and networking because i didn't want it so just for one um you know section that you know how do you say race i wanted it for people that were brown right so if you see the cover um you know it's different shades of brown on there and so for me this pandemic and you know everything that has taken place during the pandemic, it really just affirmed for me that I needed to continue writing, right? And so that this was not just a one-off, like I wasn't just gonna write one book and that would be it, right? So um, the pandemic helped me to slow down. It helped me to start writing my next um, book, but it also, in my um, personal career, people were calling me now around diversity, equity, and inclusion workshops. So it actually propelled my career because now the things that I've been talking about for the past, oh my gosh, 15 years, now everybody's ear was open. I remember what you said, you know, people would, would email me. I remember what you said in this workshop. Can you talk about it more? Can you share your story? And so for me, the pandemic, I've been able to share my story more than I've ever shared my story. Um, sharing what I've been through. So career-wise, this, you know, the pandemic has been great for me. And I realized that people are out there dying and, you know, people are, are, are dying because of their skin colors. But personally, from a career, it, it propelled it because people were like, we, we consider you the expert, share your story, help us to train our staff. And so career-wise, my, my business has taken off, should I say. Um, but then again, with, with everything that takes off personally, and you know this, Jody, um, during the pandemic, my house caught fire. <laughs> so um, I had to, while my business was taking off and I'm trying to write, now I'm dealing with um, having to, you know, deal with my house burning down, living in a trailer, and, and trying to get back on my feet while... I'm being in demand at the same time and I want to write a second book. And so, um, you know, it's, it's had up, ups and downs, but this is a long-term, you know, when people ask about diversity, equity, and, and inclusion, I have to remind them all the time, listen, I can come in and talk to your staff, but it, they're not going to change in one day. This is something that's going to take years of training, years of speaking to because of the, you know, we grow up, we, we, our parents are, are brainwashed. We're brainwashed by our parents as well as we should be. And so we all have to make changes in our lives. And change does not always happen overnight. It, it's, it's a gradual thing. It, it, it takes years. And that's why that, you know, someone like you, we're innovators because we're always willing to change and to listen, right? So, um, you know, I think that this pandemic has, it's helped me personally, like career-wise, it's helped me. Personally, it's helped me reflect to know that material is just material, you know, you, you know, um, and a, a lives cannot be replaced. So I don't know if I answered your question fully, no, you, but you, that's you just- did, You did it and then you added the whole entire, I mean, um, during a pandemic and losing your house, but not losing your family because you have a young family. And so, and then working and writing a book, I mean, you in, 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 a, in a nine month span, you've been doing a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So 
So outside of the, we'll call it outside of the, we'll call it what, of the great work that you're doing, which is, it's amazing how, I mean, again, we met in college and how you've evolved and you've done so many things. How have you been dealing with juggling of all? Not even just both, but you've been juggling so many different things. And also you have a little one at home that you're like, like school, like learning from yeah. virtual learning. So how are you able to juggle everything? And for anyone that's out there that's listening, that is thinking about, I want to start something. I'm not sure. Where do I go? I have a family. I have like, I'm keeping up with the house. I mean, like I'm keeping up with my spouse. I'm single. They have all these different excuses. What are the, what would be some advice that you'd give um, one or two advice points that you'd give that a person that really wants to do something like you did? but yet is overwhelmed by so much that they're dealing with every single day. Yeah. So I think for me, I mean, right out there, Jody, you know, I'm a woman of faith. So I pray a lot. I'm just going to put it out there. I pray a lot. And for me, I feel like when something gets really down inside of me, um, I'm going to do it. And so I think that if you have something on your mind that bothers you every single day, right? So let's just say, for example, you know, you want to buy a house, you know, you want to buy a house, you know, you want to buy a house everywhere you see, oh, a house for sale sign, you get on, you get on TV, they're talking about selling houses. If you see something in front of you, you cannot ignore it, right? We, I believe I'm a firm believer, we all have a purpose in life. And if there is something that is weighing down on you, and you can't sleep, <laughs> and you just keep thinking about it and thinking about it, I just say, get up and write it down. You know, um, one book that I've been reading for the past, oh my gosh, 25 years, it came out in the 80s, I believe, or the 90s. Um, it probably came out, yeah, came out in the 90s. So um, it's called Write It Down, Make It Happen. And so even if you don't think it can happen, I just say to someone, write it down. You know, I'm very big into vision boards, get your vision board done. But you have to think of, I guess for me, I'm thinking of the future. Where do I want to be in 20 years? And I know where I want to be is not currently where I am right now, right? And so whoever is out there that wants to start a small business, um, and I don't like using the word small business because your business is big. Whatever you decide to do, you know, we define small business because of employee size, but whatever your idea is, your idea is huge, you know, because it comes from you. So, you know, you have to just Get up, write it down. If you're up at night, if something is keep on your heart, on your heart, on your heart, you got, you just got to get it out there. And I think you'll see once you write it down, things will come, right? It, it will just start coming to you. Oprah said, you know, you get out of life, what you have the courage to ask for, right? So if it is to open that business, you know, just write it down. What does it look like? What, you know, what does it look like if it, if it did happen and, and that, and it will happen. So I think for me, yes, I'm a woman of faith, but I'm also ambition. I'm also ambitious and I want more out of life. You know, it's great that, um, you know, people will look at me and say, oh yeah, you know, you, you made it, you got the house, you got the kids, you got the husband, except for the dog. You don't have a dog. That's it. Um, I don't have time for a dog, but you know, but I haven't made it, you know, that's great that people look at me like that, but I haven't made it because there's things that I want out of life. And now that, you know, to the parents out there, you look at your children, there's things that I want for my children. So it's not just about me. I want things for my children's children's children. And in order for me to do that, then I better set up my business now, make some income, invest, 
And so you have to, if you want to start a business, you got to think beyond yourself. And I think Jody, you know, you don't have children right, you know, right now, but the thing with your business, Jody, is you help so many people and those are your children, right? The people that you're helping, the people that you've mentored. So it's not just about like uh, children that you've birthed. It's about people that have come into your life. So um, you are preparing others for their children's children's children. Like we're thinking about generation. We're leaving a legacy here. That's what we want to do. And I think that you, like, I mean, you, you said it so well. I mean, you literally articulated so well where people are, well, one is fear. I mean, the fear of failure, the fear of what other people are going to say about you. Um, and then it's just like the write it down, like just right. in that moment of writing it down and getting it done. Um, where do you see, um, I have two more questions for you. Um, where do you I have like three minutes? I got to be honest. I got to run. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So you know what? Then All right. So, well, I'm still going to ask you my two questions. So okay. where, do see that, where do you see the industry of um, companies really evolving and making sure it's a very diverse, unique group of people in their workforce? We all know that whole entire story. The more diversity, the better your company. But again, if I'm stuck and if this is the only way I know how to do things, I'm going to do it only one way. Yeah. So how do you, how do you see the future going for that? And yeah, answer that one quickly and then I'll ask you the last question. Okay, so sorry. Um, so I see that they're going to have to accept diversity because bottom line is profit. Businesses that embrace diversity, embrace culture, embrace their employees, embrace the customers because it's not just about the employees, it's about customers, um, supply chain, you wanna make a profit, especially in this pandemic. There's businesses that are closing that have been around for eons and eons of years if a business wants to be profitable and you know there's studies out there that show if you embrace diversity that your businesses makes you know 15 percent more in this game in this business game you have to embrace it if you are going to stay alive because you know servicing just one culture or just one set of customers it's not going to work you have to be innovative so if someone wants profit and i know why would we be in business you know what i mean like i know life serving but we want to make profit let's be real i want to be a billionaire you know so um they're gonna it's gonna have to happen and i think employees are just not going to take it anymore the talented individuals that are there um, especially with women more going to universities more than men uh, they're going to have to embrace it or else they're just simply not going to be able to function okay last question uh, if you had a personal ask and a professional ask of anyone that's listening to you right now what would be your personal ask and what would be your professional ask uh, personal ask would be, can someone please send my furniture because I'm waiting in my house and because of COVID, um, I'm silly because of COVID, my bedroom set probably won't come till sometime next year. Um, so my personal ask is, can someone just get me my furniture on time? <laughs> Uh, so that I'm not sleeping on my blow up mattress. You know, I'm grateful to be back in my house. Don't get me wrong. But if someone could, that's my personal <laughs> career ask is, you know, my dream when I think of my business and my dream, you know, personally, uh, you know, career wise, I would love to be on the Today Show one day talking about my books and talking about my next book. So, you know, career wise to repel it, you know, I my ask would be, if you know anybody on the Today Show or on media, I'm your girl. Just, I, I want to be on one of those shows. You know what I mean? Because, um, I don't know, just one of my dreams, be on the Today Show, be on Good Morning America, talking to Robin Roberts. I mean, those are just some career dreams, so. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God, my love. 
I love you so much. I know like, like this is like a fast re rap, rapid re replay, but you know what? You were fooling around too much at the beginning of this. This is why. Sorry. So, I love and adore you. Love you. I gotta go, girl. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.